This episode of Practice Disrupted is supported by Monograph, the cloud-based practice operations solution built for architects by architects. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Janine Chastain. We're collaborating on curated conversations to explore how the industry is changing. Together, we'll find ways to create new solutions to current challenges while elevating the value of architects. Welcome Welcome to to Practice Practice Disrupted. Disrupted. Hi, Janine. Hi, Evelyn. Hi, Disruptors. We are at the end of our season two, 40 episodes for Practice Disrupted. Yeah, congratulations. This is a really big milestone for us. It is. I remember us pondering when we committed to doing 40 episodes in two seasons in 2021, and we were wondering, how are we ever going to fill the airwaves. Um, But here we are halfway through 2021 and at the end of our season two. Yeah. And if you've been listening along, I just want to say thank you. You know, it just really means the world to us that you guys are enjoying the content that we're creating and that people seem so engaged when we talk to them about the show and that we've had such amazing guests on the show, really deep conversations that have been really rewarding. So Thank you to everyone who's been supporting us along the way. Now, thank you for everyone. Thank you for your emails. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for your LinkedIn requests um, and your responses on Instagram and social. This is those are like really the only mechanisms that we have to know that what you are hearing or what we are saying is really resonating with you. So so thank you for participating and making this a two way conversation as well. Absolutely. And as part of our season finale, this episode is dedicated to you, the listeners who have been following along. We wanted to take the show and make it more of a two-way dialogue. So you all submitted some questions and ideas and comments to us, and we will be sharing some of those ideas back with you. Yes. And as we did with season one, we are bringing our producer back into the conversation with us. So Janine, why don't you introduce Demetrius? Okay, so Demetrius Lynch is a key part of our team, and I think we go into that in the interview, but here's his bio. Demetrius Lynch is the founder and principal architect of Lines and is a California-based architect and NCARB certified. He has practiced both domestically and internationally in various building types with a focus on residential and specialty in retail. He's also lead AP and well-certified. Demetrius also created and hosts Spaces Podcasts, a show dedicated to detailing the spaces that we occupy every day. To expand on this endeavor, he also co-founded and is the chief creative officer of Gable Media, which is a multimedia network that empowers global thought leaders in architecture, engineering, and construction to entertain, inspire, and share their knowledge with an audience dedicated to building a better world. Let's cut to the conversation. We're at our season two finale, Evelyn, and I thought there was only one person that I could think of that we needed to bring on for this final episode, our 40th episode, and that's Demetrius Lynch, who has been a key contributor to the podcast over both seasons. Yes. Welcome, Demetrius. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me back, guys. Uh, This is going to be fun to get back into this and and talk about some of the things that that you guys have done this season and, and overall. 
Yes. For those of you who don't know, Demetrius is the producer of our show over at Gable Media, but he's also the primary editor for all of our shows. That's right. So every episode, if you've enjoyed it, you can thank Demetrius because he's been helping to edit it and make sure that it sounds really great as it comes through on our release dates. So, and the other thing I want to talk about is that Demetrius is an architect. He he has his own small business and he practices in California. And so I thought this might be an interesting conversation just to start. Demetrius, as an architect, you've you've listened to our show, you've heard our ideas about how to shift practice. I was wondering what conversations stood out to you when you were listening to season two. And maybe there's even conversations that you wanted to jump into that you weren't able to. So the interesting thing is when when editing these, I'm looking at them from so many different points of view. Uh, one as an editor, two as a also podcast host, and then uh, from the practice side, I've had a wide ranging experience where I had the opportunity to work in a small firm, large firm, medium sized firm. So a lot of perspectives and different things that you guys talk about um, have just been really interesting to be a fly on the wall and and kind of hear what you guys are talking about. But I think there was one specific moment in an episode recently, I believe it was with George. Um, It was one specific line where he was talking about the difference between architecture and technology industries. And he said something along the lines of how in the tech industry, they're a very tight-knit group. And once one makes it ahead, they sort of reinvest in each other and support each other as they progress. Was that George? That's it. It was George. Okay. That moment was like light bulb, mind explosion, all the emotions in the world all what? at an once. industry that supports one another, especially like those that are struggling? Exactly. It was... um it was just such a, a profound moment listening to it where that was one of the moments that I wanted to like jump in the show and just ask more and dig more into that uh, because that that was just such a, a strong, powerful moment. And being on the podcast sides that's uh, focused on the AEC industry, you really get a good look at that kind of dynamic because <sighs> saying not supportive is kind of strong. But I would say that our community, our industry is less enthusiastic about being supportive. <laughs> I would go so far as to say not supportive sometimes. If you have to go anywhere outside of your way to to do something extra, most people will will not do it in the AC community. I don't know what it is. It could be just busy at work. It could be some of that competitive edge that was bred in during school or whatever it is. There's something there, but, um, but it was a real profound moment to hear that. And to, you know, it in the back of your mind, but when you hear it out loud, you're like, Oh my God, that makes total sense. Uh, So that was probably one of the moments that I really wanted to, to jump in. One of the interesting things too, if you look at the spatial syndicate, if you look at Kat and Leona and George, you know, they're on the younger side of our of the AEC industry profession. So yeah. they're already giving back in so many ways. The the other thing that's interesting to this whole thread is I've been on a lot of social 
channels that have talked about all the non-competes that architects put in place, which is something that you have to sign as a new employee. Like right on day one, I promise to not compete if I ever leave the firm. So I think that in and of itself is kind of speaks towards exactly what you're saying. I I worked in one firm where they had something in their paperwork that said that you can't bring anyone that is not an employee into the building. I was like, no, there's nothing here to steal. (laughs) (laughs) It's like cookie cutter development homes. Like no one cares. (laughs) Uh, So it was, yeah, it's, it's a frustrating industry at times when you look at things like that. One of the other things that I want to talk about since you brought that up is the fact that we're part of Gable Media, which is this network of of shows that are developing all types of content. And like, Demetrius, you have your show, Mark has his, Entree Architect. Um, we also have some other um, shows that we're connected to, like Troxel and Build Your Brand. So there's there's a community that's growing around this podcasting effort. And, you know, it's it's interesting because I do think of podcasters a little bit as entrepreneurs in a way because it, it does take that same kind of – outward their businesses <laughs> their businesses and they're they're chasing this vision that they have for themselves but we've been talking to some of the um other women who are doing podcasts um like she builds which um i know they're interested in gable media and voices podcast vo- design design voice yeah design voice with Catherine. um anyway it's just it's really cool because i think to come back to that idea of like supporting each other like i do see this growing community around podcasting for AEC. And that's nice. What's been rewarding about working with Gable has been the support with you. Um, You've had our back from the start. We've really appreciated that. And then, of course, Mark. And I just want to read a quote that Mark shared with me last night, knowing that we were coming into recording this 40th episode. So he says, with almost 20,000 total downloads from listeners in 47 countries around the world, Evelyn and Janine are impacting the profession with practice disrupted well beyond the success we ever expected. The growth of this niche podcast focused on a very small population of forward-thinking practicing architects has been remarkable. Um, So Demetrius, I'm going to turn the table back to you. That was the first time I've heard that. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I didn't know we had- Thanks, Mark. I didn't know we'd been downloaded in 47 countries. That's pretty cool. Um, but Demetrius, I'm curious, like, you've watched this trajectory of growth. You've seen kind of our growth pattern through season one and now season two. What are your observations about where the show has come? Um, so there's a couple different ways I can take this from a, from a technical standpoint and you know, behind the scenes, I think the two of you have gotten more comfortable over time and uh, really kind of gotten into a groove as far as discussing topics with your guests. So much comfort to the point that I had to talk to you guys about getting too comfortable and like getting um, (laughs) and Evelyn getting emotional and banging on her desk while she's recording. Uh, So those little things of like, don't forget, you're still recording a podcast. (laughs) Uh, Don't get too into it. Uh, But your comfort level and just, you know, being in the moment, I've seen that evolve over the time. And then just generally kind of looking back at a big picture of the entire show. This isn't necessarily an evolution thing per se, but just looking back at the whole show, you guys consistently have topics that fall into two categories in my mind. 
it's either one something that has always been in my mind and I'm I listen and I'm like I'm so glad someone is saying this out loud or expressing these emotions or digging into this more or focused on changing whatever it is so I'm just like yelling at the screen or my earbuds whatever <laughs> um <laughs> that I agree whenever uh certain people come on and say certain things and then the other category it's things that are brought up in my mind that I think I should probably look more into this and find out more because this is going to be big or this is important. Um, so those are the the things that kind of looking at your show have stood out to me over over the time. I think if, you know, even a quarter of our listeners are able to categorize our shows in those two categories, I would be super happy and say that's kind of what we were hoping for from the beginning. I agree. And I know that we jump around a lot, which actually has been very intentional. We we jump from topic to topic, and we don't always have a succession of similar topics. And what I've been hearing from people is they kind of go to the episodes that they relate to or they want to know more about. And so they might download the Architecture and series and be really interested in that or our diversity series, which is the Voices from the Future of the Profession and the Asian American Architects. Or they focus more on the um, – we've had a lot of people interested in the tech episodes. So there's something for everyone, and I think that's been really fun to have kind of a, a playground of different topics that we can go to and explore, which all relate back to a lot of similar themes that Evelyn and I are interested in, which is practice and management and business strategy. Like At its core, that's really where a lot of this work stems from is our desire to research – topics that relate to those larger topics. Yeah, I really like the architecture and series. Um, that episode, I think it was towards the end of last season with, oh, I'm going to forget her name. Um, she works at uh, the Star Wars. Rebecca. She did this star- yeah, Rebecca. That episode was so good. And just hearing about her story of how she got from, was it SciArc? Uh, mm-hmm. into into set design and that uh, her journey to finally ending up where she is now um, was so fascinating, inspiring, because I kind of toyed with that direction a little bit. Um, so I found that really interesting. But I wanted to jump back to another episode that really stood out, which was not necessarily jumping back. It wasn't that long ago. It was with Atelier Cho Thompson. Oh, yeah. That one really stood out to me as a small firm or solo entrepreneur because of the way that they're approaching their business. It really laid out a lot of good thoughts and ideas about how to diversify your practice and different services you can provide. I think it was called New Line, New Service Lines. So that one was really interesting to listen to and inspiring. I'm still trying to figure out how exactly to execute on it. <laughs> so <laughs> as, as a single person, it's, uh, as a soul, like a sole proprietor, it's hard to execute these things. So they, they were very fortunate to, to find each other. Hopefully I can get a, a good partner on this architecture side to help kind of delegate some of this effort. But the way that they laid out their business is kind of the direction that I want to go just got to get there somehow. (laughs) 
Is that an open invitation to listeners who might be interested in partnering with you going forward? Yes, I'm looking for partners in a lot of different uh, avenues. So if you're looking to start businesses or get involved in anything that you know that I'm working on, feel free to reach out. And Demetrius, you know, we're always here if you just need to bounce business ideas around too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you bring up a really good point. And actually, Evelyn and I have been talking about this offline is, you know, we are reaching really high for these big ideas that maybe a small firm owner seem hard to reach. But what we're hoping is by setting that really far aspiration that it sets the vision for the potential of what could happen so that you're looking and thinking about it beyond what you know and out to what it could be. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. And I go through that listening to all of these episodes. I'm fortunate that I'm in a position where I hear everything that comes out of Gable Media. So I have so much information coming into my brain. <laughs> that's You can see the grays like just over, <laughs> overtaking my head uh, just from so much information. So yeah, while I know I cannot execute a ton of these things or the majority of these things, I have it in my mind of what I need to do. And at some point, you know, I'm working out things in my mind that, okay, I need to do this at some point. And now it's just a matter of blocking out the time to start to set up those frameworks. At some point, I'll get frustrated enough to actually block out the time. <laughs> I think that's kind of what what it takes. Someone once told me that, um, oh, my God, I'm going to butcher this saying, but someone someone listening will probably know how the actual saying goes. But it's to the point of when the pain becomes too great, you'll eventually at some point you'll switch over and and do whatever that other thing is, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how I ended up when I'm doing now. The pain of staying at my previous firm was too great. And I finally decided to go and start my own stuff. No, I, I mean, I think that's so true of a lot of things, right? I, I, I remember that when I, at one point I was looking for a new strategy job, but the market was really, really good. And everyone just wanted to hire that person with 14 years of experience to kind of do project management and get things done. And I was like, no, this is a great time to think about starting a new line of business and no one wanted to hear it. And then as soon as we went into the recession, or as soon as things began to take a dip, they're like, oh, Evelyn, now we're kind of interested in talking. <laughs> we're seeing things slow down. We're kind of more interested in talking to you now about this other revenue stream that you mentioned. Um, I think we all we all do those type of things. I'm going to dig into that topic uh, a little bit on one of my podcasts at some point. But the way that our industry looks at things and a lot of businesses in general of like these 10-year markers and things like that, I feel like it's the wrong way to hire. I think we look at the wrong metrics to hire people. You should be looking for people that have innate abilities and um, sort of the intrinsic value while it's more difficult to see on a piece of paper. You have to look for like lifelong learners, people that are going to go out of their way to do things on the weekend and figure it out rather than, you know, you've been working in Revit for five years or whatever, whatever it's on the job posting. Um, but anyway, I, I digress. <laughs> Going no, off topic. you're spot on. I mean, I was going to say, um, I did notice that you changed your LinkedIn profile to Architect Plus or Architecture yeah. Plus, which I love. I, I stole that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that it. from you guys. But you, but you are like you're very like multi-dimensional um, in terms of like all of your pursuits. But I agree. Um, I think what has led me to this point where I'm doing podcasting and running my own business was frustration, pain, and to your point, just like try- trying so hard over 12 years to figure out my fit in the profession and getting tired of the same problems coming up in practice that the opportunity to go do my own business was my chance to go out and, you know, see if I could figure it out for myself, figure out how to make my own dream come true instead of trying to, um, I heard a great quote, uh, uh, I think I was watching the, um, the Michael Jordan basketball Netflix series that just came on about the Chicago Bulls. And I just remember like. (laughs) So good. It was so good. (laughs) I mean, if you want a leadership tutorial, like go watch that series. It's great. And you get to see like Michael Jordan up close and like, you know, we all know him for his leadership abilities, but uh, it also talks about his flaws as a leader and the consequences of that. But it made me laugh because they were talking about Dennis Rodman and they were saying that uh, during practice, one of the assistant coaches kept trying to like coach him and the head coach was like, man, leave him alone. You don't put a saddle on a Mustang. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. Like (laughs) I have felt like the whole time going through architecture professionally that people were trying to use me like I was a pencil to draw construction documents or to model something to complete their vision of what the project was. And I was like, you have the wrong person. You're using me incorrectly. That is not (laughs) my gift in this world. Don't use me like a pencil. You've got to let me go because you'll get like quadruple the return, I promise. But it I, d- I could never figure out how to explain that professionally because they want you to fit in this box and I just couldn't. So anyway, now I now I run my own business and I get to make my own mistakes and I also get to run as hard as I want to and figure it out for myself, which I love and it's so rewarding. And I feel like the thing I love most about this podcast is it's just – it's been a creative field to just create and to explore and to talk about all these topics, Evelyn, that you and I are very passionate about. I love that analogy. Now I have to go watch the series. Um, There's very few series that I feel my husband and I can watch together, but I I feel (laughs) like that's going to be one. Um, You know, as architects, we also need to, the saying has become more and more prevalent lately, but, you know, give ourselves grace. Like, I feel like our starving artist attitude translates into all of the reasons why we stay in the wrong place too long, too, right? Like, I love my client relationship. I can't ever leave this client relationship behind. I love, I hate the management, but I love my team. How could I ever leave this team with this management? Um, You know, but like those, like, it's all of those things. I Like, I feel that there's just a lot of people that have stayed in the wrong place for too long have that continue to suffer longer than they need to because of those other intrinsic like human relationships or the necessity to finish a project that they started even though it might be like I've talked to 
architects are like, it, this project's expected to last and like wrap in three years. So, you know, just give me this three years and, and then I'll be ready to move on. Do you guys think it's a personality thing that certain types of people are attracted to the industry and do this to themselves? Or do you think it's an industry? Sort of a chicken or egg question, I guess. Uh, or do you think it's the industry? And the third option, I guess, is they reinforce each other. <laughs> I have a really strong opinion about this, uh, which feel free to disagree. But after observing, I think there are certain personality types that succeed over time in this industry and are rewarded because they have certain personality traits that fit better within the way the model of architecture is designed to be practiced. So mm -hmm. if you're someone who is highly detail-oriented, you're very um, – I do think it attracts introverts, I have to be honest, um, people who are willing to sit at their desk for long periods of time and do the work without being distracted, unlike us <laughs> social butterflies. Um, I think that those are the people that I see it as they make it through and they, and they have really found their success long term. Now, there are extroverts and they usually end up in these like leadership positions because they're willing to go do business development and run the firm and do all the like social part of the job. Uh, and I've heard different stories, but I do find that they tend to have um, a harder time with the technical parts. But what they contribute to the firm is still valuable. It's just that like the the industry doesn't prioritize that as heavily as design or the technical capabilities. That's my opinion. That's interesting, because I definitely do not classify myself as an extrovert. I would say that I fall on the introvert side. Sorry, go ahead, Demetrius. Yeah, no, I was going to say that I can see that. And it makes sense that the people that are not head down, just crank out all the work will struggle because the first 20 years of career in architecture specifically is about keep your head down, just do what I say. Um, Isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah, so and the fact that you put like the 20 year marker on it is like... Yeah. <laughs> Extra depressing. <laughs> Get ready for the long ride, guys. <laughs> Sorry, new grads who just, you know, graduated into the world with their bright eyes and hopeful dreams of the future of practice. <laughs> Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. I don't know how you break that outside of having conversations like this. But those people that are a little more extroverted that are going towards the more leadership sort of roles will struggle most of the time in that head down sort of environment. So unless someone spots them and sort of takes them under their wing and helps divide their time, I think, between head down and then let me show you a little bit of the leadership side, give you some some task on this side of it. That's the only way I think you keep them in the industry. Otherwise, they're going to go into tech now that that the option is there or to development or something else they're going to they're going to get outside of architecture specific opportunities and that's i think we probably could pull historical numbers on that i'm sure that's an interesting observation to me because that also you know i guess an answer to your your original question if people can remember it now i would i would go with number 3 right like i feel like it's a bit of a vicious cycle for us so if it's the individuals that are the individuals that move forward that are willing to be heads down the first 20 years <laughs> and follow the rules, that also means that 
you know, when they step into leadership, that they are, they're a mirror image of whatever they were following, right? So, so that that's just kind of how architecture continues to not evolve in the way that we keep hoping that it will. Which yeah. creates leadership problems, which we've talked about in prior episodes. I won't get into it. But when you condition <laughs> people to be followers, then they struggle to become leaders later. Let's take a break from this conversation to talk about our sponsor of this episode, Monograph. We're proud to partner with Monograph because they are helping to transform the practice of architecture, one design studio at a time. Tired of using dated and clunky software to manage your firm? Or do you feel frustrated wrangling all of your spreadsheets to get a clear view of where your project stands today? Monograph is here to help. Designed by architects for architects, Monograph allows you to track your time, your projects, and your budgets in real time. With their awesome Money Gantt, you can immediately understand project performance across your entire firm portfolio. Need to adjust your projects week to week? Their new tool, Resource, allows you to reallocate your team's time and track its impact on your remaining budget. Be proactive with Monograph. I want to come back to one of our episodes, Evelyn, because episode 22 really talked about the studio culture and and what Future Forum was uh, researching and, and they're part of Slack. So Slack has been where Evelyn's worked, as you've heard over the two seasons, She had a really great quote about her experience in her first week. She said, you are here because you are talented and have something to contribute. You have a voice on day one. And so she noticed like that that was a huge difference from her experience working in architecture. Um, And I wanted to tell you this quote that came up on Instagram from one of our longtime listeners. Niesha Harper-Michon is an architect who works at RAU Architects in Amsterdam. And she responded saying, I loved hearing this and so hope that architecture company culture gets here sometime soon. We have a long way to go, but discussions like the ones you share with us with your podcast are definitely part of the journey to get us there. It's so cool for me to see these quotes because I don't get to get in the weeds of kind of your social and the comments and things like that. We occasionally see some that come through through Gable, um, but it's so cool to just see some of these and the impact that you guys are having on the industry. Yeah, I want to read one more, Evelyn, um, that was about your work specifically on episode 33. You you were presenting your hybrid work. And my very good friend here in Raleigh said, ah, she emailed me. She said, that last episode on hybrid work, awesome. Maybe the best episode yet. And that's Megan Bowles, who's an architect at LS3P here in Raleigh. That was a really good episode. Evelyn, I don't even know where you start on (laughs) digging into all of that stuff. But (laughs) kudos to you for taking on that work. Um, I've been arguing about this forever. I, I think I had actually written like a little piece on it, not to the length of digging into actual data that you do, Evelyn, but I don't understand why this has taken so long and took a pandemic to create this environment. But now we have the opportunity, I'll call it, to figure out how do we manage, because I think it's to some extent going to have to be both right in office and out of office, but figuring out how to do that And all the things that you pointed out throughout that episode were great markers and warning signs for people to keep a, keep an eye on as they approach this next phase in in workplace. 
Yeah, I mean, to be fair, pre-pandemic, Slack was only 5% remote. And that is with with the product being what it was, right? Like if any company should have been more remote, it probably <laughs> should be the Slack or the Microsoft, whoever's working on the Microsoft Teams um, stuff or whoever's working on Google Hangouts. Like those are the teams that should be able to function more remote. So it's it's been interesting. You would think they would practice. <laughs> they would practice what they're selling. <laughs> right. And I, and I think it... it so I'm, I'm, I guess I mean, just using that as a reference point that, you know, even the technology companies kind of have been struggling with this. Um, and, and now we've adopted the language that Slack is our HQ. Um, but, but that again, that is something that didn't happen until the pandemic. So, so in this instance, I don't feel like the architecture profession necessarily is is too far behind. I think it was a, a wake up for a lot of different industries. I just think how we come out on the other side is going to be very, very different and industry specific in terms of how we use this opportunity or actually uh, waste it. And I, and I really hope the architecture profession finds a great way to capture that opportunity. So yeah, that's, that's my hopes anyways. Can I ask you guys, because you're based in California and I'm in North Carolina, are you guys, I know, Evelyn, you said you went back to the office this week for the first time just to scout it out and you hadn't been there in over a year. Are are you guys starting to go back out into the world like normal again? Normal, quote, quote. <laughs> uh, well, I just got my second vaccine on Tuesday. And, you know, we are looking at piloting and open to our office, our HQ at a very, very minimal state. We actually, um, what is really, really frustrating is to see our Melbourne and Sydney counterparts, like, like they're living life like it's normal. And they have to tell me, like, Evelyn, we have no cases here. Like, why are you still making a social distance, like six, <laughs> six meters apart? Like, they have to con- constantly remind me, like, we are on the other side of the world and things are different over here because it's it's so hard. I, I don't know. I California, some parts of California just lifted the mask outside mandate. And it's, you know, who thought it would be weird seeing people walking around without masks? <laughs> but that's really weird. Of, but that's kind of like, yeah, it's weird to me. But um, I, we're slowly opening up. The weird thing about California is there's these pockets of different beliefs. I don't know how much that is across the country, but in California, there's pockets. So you end up with these melds of differing opinions. And like my wife has um, some condition that, you know, puts her at risk. So we're being extra cautious. So we were walking down a path uh, wearing a mask. And someone coming the opposite direction is yelling at me about wearing a mask, saying, Fauci said that doesn't work or something like that. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you end up with these weird, this weird uh, dichotomy of people's opinions on things. So it, it's, I I know. Know, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I had a similar experience, Demetrius, at the dog park a couple of weeks ago. And I got into it with this guy because he was like, why are you wearing a mask? And I was like, because it makes me feel comfortable. But more importantly, I haven't gotten my second shot yet. So I'm not ready to go maskless. But I actually have started since January going into AIE North Carolina a couple times a week. 
And that was a big a, a mental process to get my head back around the <laughs> comfort level of just doing that. Like, And I would go in and I was really timid at first. Like I kept my mask on and then I slowly got more comfortable. Like if I stayed in my bubble, then I would take my mask off. But it's I think this is going to be an interesting – I'm starting to see at least here in North Carolina – people are trying to act like we're going back to normal. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting to watch this play out over the next year, or at least several months as as we go through that transition. I've been approaching things at Slack as and I think a lot of companies have been approaching things that you know, this is a prototyping phase, like in many aspects, in terms of open reopening, but like, I don't think that I'm going to gather any realistic data of what, like, the new future of work is, honestly, for, like, another year or two. Like, people have to be okay using all modes of transportation and kind of reestablishing, like, this is this is the new pattern that I'm okay with now that, you know, the majority – and this is assuming, like, the majority of the city has been vaccinated, but I, I feel like – we're not going to understand what that is for another couple of years. Maybe another important um, thing we should talk about is is our recent episode about Asian American architects. So that got a really big response from the community. Thanks, thanks to the social media networks of our listeners. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> or our of our or of our um of our guests. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Alvin said, as Asian Americans, we rarely discuss our cultural identity. However, in light of the recent spike in anti-Asian racism and the general tenor of 2020, this Practice of Architecture podcast conversation with host Evelyn Lee alongside guests Annie, Ming, Susan, and myself on the complexities of Asian American identity and experiences in architecture is both timely and important. I hope to see more conversations like this in the future. These episodes are always powerful and coming off the tail of, you know, just general racial injustice and that sort of sparked off in or really became mainstream last summer. It's I've had a very difficult time with this whole thing. Um, I don't know if you guys know, um, my wife is Chinese American and her father's older and, um, you know, they're in Northern California. So seeing this kind of stuff happen so close to home for her was just really painful to see and go through. And, um, and, you know, on the, on the tales of the racial injustice movement to see black individuals commit some of these crimes was embarrassing um hard to to see extremely frustrating because it's against everything that everyone's trying to fight for um it's wrong on infinite amount of levels and to see that ultimately is just it was just a horrible experience to live through um, this whole year has just been extremely difficult to to witness and live through all of this. But I will say that I know 
the black community in general, I'm going to speak for in general, stands with the Asian community, regardless of these individual incidents. And those individuals that participated on the, in these heinous crimes should all be, you know, sent to jail and receive the highest uh, punishment possible. Um, so I do want to say that. And um, I thought that was a really good episode. And all of these conversations are extremely important to to continue to have. Um, so, yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I I really appreciate your perspective. And I know that was hard to talk about. So thank you. But I, I, I think if anything, that all of this equity, diversity and inclusion has taught me throughout the year is that you really have to look at every single person as an individual human being with different circumstances, um, their own personal struggles, you know, to, to really understand what's going on in, in their head. So so for me, yeah, I... I, I I fully appreciate kind of the raised notice of like the the black community coming together with with AAPI the AAPI community and being on the Asian American side like I I feel that in spite of the individuals who we've seen uh, committing these crimes. Uh, let's see. Carissa Johnston said on Instagram, I was so incredibly moved by this podcast and will be re-listening to it in the weeks to come. Thanks for convening such an incredible panel. And thanks to all the panelists for your honest, candid insights. Yeah. And you plan on sort of coming back to this conversation, right? Or or expanding on the conversation? Yeah. And it's partly my... <laughs> I, I mean, I, I admit it's partly my fault and it's part of my own educational experience around kind of everything that every every culture that is umbrellaed under the AAPI community. Um, so I we are in the process for our next season. Well, every season we do some of these types of conversations, but we would like to come back and, and revisit the East Asian communities, but a broader, a broader retrospective than the representation that we had on this last one. I agree. And I think, you know, this has been a learning process for us. I mean, as much as Evelyn and I are very interested in these conversations, like we're learning how to have these conversations too. Um, diversity conversations are vulnerable and tough and you know you have to confront your own limitations your own barriers um you have to open up your heart and your ears and i have to say like just going through the process of both the events that happened in 2020 with the black lives matter movement i mean i remember when i was in san francisco i drove home and i remember seeing early before black lives matter became a thing individuals from the Black Lives Matter movement were standing on the uh, Bay Bridge and, and they shut down traffic in the opposite direction of what we were heading. And we were we were watching this from the other side of the road, from our cars, we were passing and they were lined up across the the highway lanes. Police arrested them, took them to jail. And then to come forward a year and then having watched my hometown of Richmond, Virginia, go through this process of the Confederate memorials being vandalized in such a public way and the community coming around them to dismantle them. I mean, it was so powerful. And then listening to the stories and all of my friends that I've been brave enough to share their experiences, I feel like 
whatever work I tried to do before 2020 on becoming more aware um, was completely just, I grew leaps and bounds through this past year, just watching and learning and trying to understand these diversity conversations, um, the Black experience, and now a year later coming to the Asian American experience. And I asked Evelyn privately, I was like, you know, we went through this last year with Black Lives Matter. Like, how, how do you feel different now that this is on you? You're, it's impacting you directly. And, and I think, I don't know. It just was really hard to watch Evelyn and some of my friends who I'm very close to in the Asian American community. Um, I could see their pain, you know, after the shootings in Georgia. And it was, there's so much that people have to get comfortable with in terms of being vulnerable and listening to these conversations because they're, they're so deep and you cannot just brush the surface with them um, and, and think that you understand. Yeah. Um, so I know that was heavy and, and, and I just want to, you know, I feel like it's important for us to reflect on that because it's been a big part of season one and season two and where we'll go in season three. But to close this conversation out, um, I want to ask Evelyn, you know, what is, what's been the biggest takeaway for you over these two seasons and what you've learned about where we want to go next with the show? I think historically I've been more of a pessimist when it comes to our profession, but Hearing the feedback that we're getting from the show, and partly just knowing that, you know, I'm not alone in my thoughts, has, I still might be pessimistic, but I, I'm seeing there's opportunity and I'm, I'm, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we, we are an old profession. Being involved in institutions like the AIA, it takes, uh, it takes a lot of time to change organizations that are that big. But, but thank you, I, I think to all of our listeners who send in these comments. It's the only, it's the only kind of marker that we have that what we are saying is actually meaningful to anyone out there. So, so thank you for beginning to shine a light in areas of the profession. Uh, that that I was really struggling to see whether whether or not we would capture those opportunities. What about you, Janine? <laughs> I think it's a good point. I think the weirdest thing about podcasting is not, especially after you do a lot of public speaking events, like Evelyn and I have years of public speaking events at conferences with the AIA under our belt. But then when you do podcasting, you don't have an audience, so you can't, <laughs> you don't, you can't pick up on cues like that you rely on when you're a public speaker, like how people are responding, if they're agreeing with you, if like you, you have their engagement. So most of the time it's, you know, Evelyn and I sitting and talking to our computers, looking at each other on Zoom behind microphones. And so <laughs> I I do really appreciate all the feedback. It's been extraordinary to realize some of these observations that I had in my own career are things that other people have experienced as well and feel similarly about. And that's been really validating. So I feel like if we're amplifying a need in the industry, then I feel like we're we're doing our job. And I just feel really passionate about continuing to build this work to really make a difference in individuals' lives and careers. 
I, I just don't want to see anybody have, you know, the same frustrations I've had over the years. And so if this podcast can be um, a way forward to help help guide people towards different directions, then I feel I feel really happy about that. So Evelyn, is there anything you want to mention before we close out season two? I think we hinted to this in a little bit with our conversations with Demetrius, but you know, I and I know Janine, you are too, I'm super appreciative of our growth that we've seen this season. So a huge, huge thank you to all of those who tuned in um, from the beginning, meaning probably our like family and friends or more so our friends. I don't know if I have a lot of family members <laughs> listening, uh, but especially, uh, you know, thank you for sharing and thank you to those who have found us and continue to listen. How about you, Janine? Yeah, I, I want to echo that and just say, like, if you've been along for the ride in season one and two, a big thank you to you. We really appreciate everyone who supported us through listening to the show, recommending the show to others, and especially those who've taken the time to reach out to us to share kind words. When we were prepping for this episode and trying to organize these comments and questions from friends and listeners, it was really helpful to take a step back and look at it collectively. All of the comments you guys have shared were very meaningful to both of us, and we love getting this feedback. It just really helps to show us where we're doing things right and where we want to keep going with the show. So thank you. Yeah, I remember um, committing to 40 episodes this year and the two of us thinking, how are we going to get through 40 episodes? And here we are at the end of our second season. So halfway through those 40. And we've nearly filled up all of our spots for season three. So Janine, did you want to talk a little bit about what our listeners can look forward to when we relaunch in July? There is so much to look forward to in season three. We've been receiving your feedback and we've been listening to you and a few things that we're going to integrate in. To start off early in our season, we'll be interviewing one of my former professors from business school about workplace culture and what makes a great place to work. We're also bringing in several new entrepreneurs who will help us expand the conversation on entrepreneurship, and we'll look at their individual journeys in starting their companies. So it's kind of like a crossover on the work that they're doing to bridge architecture and their specific passion projects. And basically, we'll look at what it means to be an entrepreneur in 2021. We're also planning more diversity discussions, and we're going to continue to look at different perspectives and practice, giving them space to share their stories. And we'll also be looking at more architecture and episodes. I wanted to circle back on the diversity conversation because we've had several of these conversations now. Um, and obviously, we're going to introduce at least one more into season three. A lot of individuals have been taking these conversations back to their firms and using them as a way to begin to have those important discussions on how to move the needle around equity, diversity, and inclusion in firms. So we're actually considering and love to get your feedback on creating a more structured program for firms using these conversations to begin having more regular dialogue about 
what it means to be more equitable, diverse, and inclusive, and create kind of a practice of architecture course out of it that then can be used in the firm and you can simultaneously, you know, earn AIA. Uh, we're going to see if we can get some HSW credits for it as well. And I guess last but not least to mention for season three, you know, from the very start, we were looking at ways to talk about this body of research that we didn't know we were creating around how architects are disrupting the practice of architecture through technology, culture, and emerging business strategies. So we very much plan to continue to do that work in season three and beyond and to really think about different ways that um, we can be thinking about practice differently. Yeah. So I'm super excited. I don't know. I'm just super excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. And I I guess, Evelyn, I'm going to swing the mic back to you and say, what's happening over at Practice of Architecture? I think there's a few updates you have to share. Yes. So I am super ecstatic to announce, and we've hinted at this a little bit on and off throughout the season, but this week we officially opened our doors to the Practice of Architecture Lab, a community where we can take the conversations that Janine and I are having on the podcast and have them live with our listeners, with you, both on our community platform and in monthly Zoom calls where we can actually talk face-to-face. The lab is really meant to help individuals at all stages in their careers. So helping firm owners reimagine what it means to successfully run and build a hybrid practice, supporting middle managers with the professional development that they need to grow and become great leaders, and giving our emerging professionals, interns, new grads, those new to the profession, a fresh perspective on all the ways that architects can practice. Really, it is for anyone who is looking to collectively find ways to redefine and expand what it means to practice architecture. If you are interested in joining us, visit practiceofarchitecture.com backslash lab to find out more and join the waitlist. And we've been having a lot of conversations offline with individuals who care a lot about changing the way we practice architecture. So if that's you, I think this is a great opportunity coming out of the pandemic. This is a great chance to get involved with a community of people who are like-minded and we're going to have really interesting conversations about how to move the needle. So we're at the tail end, Evelyn, of our 40 episodes. I can't believe we made it. So what do you want to, what do you want to say to close it out? Um, I, I think we'll end how we always do. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next month. Season three launches on July 8th. Thank you again to our podcast partner, Monograph. Learn how Monograph can help you take control of your firm's financial health. Follow the link in our show notes or visit practiceofarchitecture.com backslash monograph so that Monograph knows that you heard about them from us.